Father God, we desperately cry out to you, for we need you desperately. Lord, remind us that on our own, we can't possess good. Even Jesus says there is none good but God to declare his goodness. He is good. Jesus is our good. Holy Spirit, we need you in this place. We need you to open scripture into our hearts that we would be receptive to it. And God, that he would, by his work, apply what we learn into our daily walk. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. So Lord, may your word come alive and may it change us deeply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I wanted to begin with just a conversation with you over why have a one sermon effect on this particular issue. Well, there's two reasons why I'm going to preach one sermon about this and then we're going to move on. One is because the next series we're going to do together is something I'm thankful the Lord has brought into my life. Uh, We're going to look at the first five books of the Bible over the next five weeks and see what God has to say to our lives and how we can find Jesus from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, It's going to be an incredible time together. I hope that you'll come and be a part. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I always love when we get to spend time with Jesus and he gets to affect our lives. I, I find that fun. I find it intriguing. I love being here with you guys. So last week, uh, if you remember, I was not here, but I was. Um, if I'm going to be in town and I'm not going to preach, I want to be here. Um, we just needed some time off. So last Sunday, I got to sit with our media team up in their booth while y'all were here worshiping, and I was here with you guys uh, because I love this place. Um, if I wasn't the pastor here, I'd want to attend here because I believe in what happens here. And so I got to sit with them, and uh, for those ladies and men up there that run our media booth that are way up there in the nosebleed section, thank y'all for what y'all do. I know that y'all aren't talked about a lot, so thank you. Um, They mean a lot to us. Every week, um, it seems, I get to talk with somebody. They either tells me they watched us online or they watched us on television uh, from their home. And it's because of the work of those people that you don't often get to see. It's also the work of the people that volunteer in our room uh, that you may not often look at, but we always have volunteer camera people in our room. And their task may seem like it's not big, but let me just tell you, the gospel is heard because of you guys volunteering. So thank you for what you do on our Sunday services. It means a lot. It really does. Um, Thank you for what you do, and thank you for volunteering. Um, Quick commercial before we begin. If you've ever thought, you know, I think I could run a camera, um, you can. You just need to be trained, and if you would like to know how, find Grant. He will put you in uh, touch with people that will help you. Scott Foyle's over our team with that. Um, He's always running here or there, but we would love to have you be a part of that ministry. It means a lot. Um, So commercial over, now to today. I believe the greatest churches in our time will be churches that come together around one purpose. 
And that is not to grow the church. It's not that the church will be known. It's all about Jesus. When we can find ourselves working like a family for his cause, I believe the world will come knock on the door. Because they want to know, does following after Jesus really mean something to us? Does it mean anything that when we come together, we are unified and of one purpose? It matters. So I wanted to walk through scripture with you today about this meaning. And then I want to give you some tools that I'm learning on how we unify together as a family. Before we do that, I want you to think of the last time your family was together. Too often, like in our family, it's at a funeral. Uh, That's the last time we were all together. And when we got there, we didn't stop at the door and tell that cousin, you can't come in because you're not wearing this type of clothing. Nor at the funeral did we pull the the family and say, okay, you guys. Um, We had a a gentleman uh, sing at, at my grandmother's funeral that's known them forever. Did I like it? No, not at all. In fact, I don't think he liked it. He fell asleep during the funeral. But that's on a whole other note. But we didn't sit around and go, you need to step down, sir. It needs to be a little bit more lively. You know why? Because we were a family. When the family comes together, it doesn't matter what we see or hear. We're a family. Now, it matters if we get off purpose. If we had have shown up for the funeral, and my dad who preached it said, Hey, today, we're going to have a bar mitzvah for Nana. We all would have gone, what? So many things wrong with that statement. It would have lost its purpose. So as long as we're on purpose, we have Jesus as our purpose. As a family, we get to come together. It matters that you're here. It matters. It not only matters to us. It not only matters to the people sitting next to you, I believe it matters to God that you go to church. I believe he set up his church to be a thriving place where you get equipped by his word and sent with his purpose to a world together. Not alone, together. So as we get to Ephesians chapter 4, we get to see something amazing. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing them. He's trying to equip them. He's, he's told them several times now about being unified in Christ. That's chapter 2 of Ephesians. He reminds them that Jesus is the purpose by which we have community of church. He's equipping them. He's trying to encourage them with it. And then we get to chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 1. Paul reminds them that he is a prisoner in the Lord. And he urges them, as we read, urge you to live live worthy of the calling you received with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace and then he says this there is one body and one spirit just as you are called to one hope at your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Paul is trying to give them the purpose to stay in line as one, not as many, as one. Do you notice that when you came here today, the sign doesn't say the church is at Quell Creek? 
Because we're not. We are not the churches at Quell Creek. When we come into this building, we are the church at Quell Creek. We are one of many churches who have Jesus as one. We have lots of friends here in town that have amazing churches. And they're also a church that meets there. Or a church at that place. And the most amazing thing about that is this. When we come in this room, we're the church at Quell Creek. But when we go out there, we are the church. We're the church. It doesn't matter if you have the sticker on your car or you wear the shirt. We're the church. And the most amazing thing about it is what we do in this room helps what happens outside of the room. It really matters. It matters that we refine. It matters that we grow. It matters that we sharpen one another. It matters. So when you show up, you show that it matters to you. The most amazing thing about it is this. The world is hoping, they really are, that this matters. But they're waiting for the church to show up. Not for you to just show up at church. So what we do here matters. But Paul asks something. He asks that we become worthy gospel walkers. That's why he says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you received. Paul believes that when you and I start to look like Jesus, we will walk worthy of the gospel. We will show up with it at any given chance we get. We're going to bring the gospel with us. When I was growing up, uh, we had a, a Sunday school class for a while that one of the guys always brought donuts. He always showed up with donuts. And if he wasn't there, we all missed the? Yeah, you think we'd have missed him. We miss the donuts. That's what happens with the gospel. You take it enough, they're going to miss the gospel. They won't see you attached. That's the most amazing thing about the gospel. People say all the time, but you don't know my rap sheet. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I am. And God goes, that's why there's a gospel. Take it. And eventually you'll find this. When you don't bring it with you, you'll miss it. The question I have is this. If you were the last one that had the story of Jesus, would you tell it? Would it be compelling enough to you if you were the last person on the planet that had his story, would you share it? Because if you would do it then, do it now. Because you're given an influence and a place where you need to share the gospel. People are waiting to see, will you be the person that talks about Jesus to them? Or are you just going to wait that, and hope, perhaps, that some evangelist will come along or some preacher will do it so that you don't have to? The hardness of the gospel is this. Less and less people in our city are hearing it. It's devastating. We have friends across the, the nations that today are being drugged out of their churches. Have you seen the video yet? Drugged out of their churches and beaten for the gospel. Today, this is not in the New Testament. This is 
right now. They are being beaten for the sake of Jesus' name. And today, you get to come in this room and celebrate it. Today, you will go leave out and go eat somewhere and get to pray his name. They are in prison. The pastor of the church was beaten to the point of having to be in intensive care for the gospel. Listen, you have it. The world needs it. You must share it. So how do we get each other to do that? How do we help each other? How, when we come to church, can we equip one another to do that? How? The answer is unity. Unity. When we come in this room, we no longer exist with last names. We become Jesus's. We're his. Called by his name. Called and equipped for his purposes. So that when we walk into this room together, we belong to him. And by that notion, to one another. We are called to equip one another and to know one another and to challenge one another and to celebrate one another for the cause of Christ. And when we do that well, our neighbors will know Jesus, our coworkers will know Jesus, our classmates will know Jesus because we are equipped. But look at how Paul measures unity. It says unity is measured by our humility, by gentleness, by patience, and by love. Look at it. He says it here. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing another with one another in love. He says, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is something that takes gut-wrenching decisioning on your behalf and mine. When church becomes not an option but becomes a need of ours, we will start to see what the church should always be. The hardship is this. We're no longer there as a generation. My great-grandparents went to church because everybody did. There was nothing else in town going on. My great-grandfather used to talk about it. You couldn't even go out to eat. There was no such thing. Everything was closed on Sunday. Everybody went to church. My grandparents went, and I've heard this said before by my grandparents, it was a place you went to know people. It was the community involvement. And then came you baby boomers. Church became a tree. Church became a tent. Church became anything. And what happened was we quit doing church. And then came my generation. Church became a website. Did you know this? That they're saying that in the next generation, more people will attend church virtually than they will physically. Here's the issue with it. What about their children? What happens to them? You see, we've stepped so far away from where we've thought about church that now we don't even know if we want to get up and go to it. When I was growing up, I learned a story, and I've shared it before, that my dad hitchhiked to church. And that a young, or a young, an elderly couple would pick up my dad. They were Church of Christ, and they would drop him off at the Baptist church in town. And then they would go to their church. And then they would wait and pick him up and drive him back home. I've often thought about this. 
as much as I love that story about my dad, I wish I'd have known that couple. Because church was real to them. Church meant something enough to pick up some random early high schooler and drive him to church. What does church mean to us? What, what does it mean to us, really, to be unified and to be one? And how can a church do it? How does a church do this? How do we unify? How do we grow? How do we get stronger than ever? Because I want to tell you something. I believe there is a great lie out there that says that the next generation of church will be non-existent. I disagree completely. And I disagree because I see it on your faces. While there may be many that go away, I don't believe it will happen here. Because I love getting to worship with y'all. I love seeing how you serve. I love seeing how you're growing. And I know if you're like me, we want to see God do amazing things. Not just okay things. We want to see him move. We want to be a part of revival. We want to be changed by him. And because of that, there's something in our guts that says, not here. We're going to see God do things here. And we believe it. So how do we do it? Let me give you some tools of how you unify as a church. Number one, you make prayer and scripture a focus. Anytime we get together, there's a few things we're going to do. We're going to open this word and we're going to pray and we're going to seek his face together. That will be the calling card of the church, period. How do you preserve unity? Open this word together and pray together. That's how you preserve unity. That's how you grow. Without those two things, and it is number one on my list for a reason. One is because I didn't make this list. This is from Tom Rainer. But it is a key statement that if we want to see God move, it's going to happen when we open his word and listen to him and when we pray and seek his face. That's how it works. Number two, we're going to preach and teach about unity. It's going to happen everywhere we go that we're going to talk about not how great the church is, but how good God is and how we should meet together to celebrate him. You're going to hear it a lot that we believe that together we can see God do amazing things because I need your faith. And I know you may not believe it, but you need mine. And together we need to seek his face together. Third, we're going to put others before ourselves. Put others before yourself. This is the most difficult to accomplish. Here's why. I've lived a lot of places in my life. But I don't know if I've ever lived in a place where we move around as much as we do in Amarillo. You've seen it, right? Like we don't put our roots down. And I'm asking you today to put your roots down and to love people, to let them be first before you to see how you can minister to them before you get ministered to. And I promise you in return, you will be. Remember always hearing things like do unto others as you'd want done unto yourself. Or when you give, you're given. All those things matter because it's truth of God. It, God has a purpose for us. And it's that we would love others like he loved us. Sacrificially. How about this one? Number four, talk to people and not about people. Listen, we all like some good gossip, right? Let's just admit it. 
We all like to hear, did you hear? And we go, oh, do tell. And then we go, oh, um, I'm on a call. Did you hear what they just did? Oh, my goodness. Don't put it on Facebook. Oh, you did? Oh, I'm going to like that, right? We like it. We like the gossip. But it is not what unity is. Unity is throwing away gossip and going to the person. It's us going, did you hear that about them? You go, hold the phone. Let's go find them. If that's true, let's help them. Let's not sit here and build a bigger story about them. Unity is done by talking to people and not about them. Number five, be a part of the change you want to see. I believe this with all of my heart. There are things about the church at Quell Creek that you wish would be changed. I mean, we can admit it, right? Like, it's okay. I, I, I mean, I'm the pastor here. I get it. People don't like everything we do. That's okay. Here's how you change it. Come be a part. Go serve in that area. Go talk to that minister. See how you can pray for them. Go share your ideas. The hardship is this. We would much rather fold our arms and roll our eyes then hit our knees and pray to God. If you want to be a part of the change, you have to come be a part of the change. The next is this, and I don't want you to think that this is self-seeking, but your staff at your church needs you to stand up for them. They need you to do that. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. We, we by far believe that there's things you probably don't agree with us on. And this is not saying, oh, he has no faults, because we do. But this is standing in the gap and saying, that's my worship pastor. That's my student pastor. That's my children's leader. If you want to talk about them, let's go to them. Stand up for them. I've lived in a lot of churches, but I believe the church here does that better than anybody. Y'all stand up for your ministers, and I appreciate that. Seventh, be willing not to get your way, even if it means, if it means advancing the mission. This is difficult because sometimes in church unity, we have to go, we know what we're trying to do. I don't like it, but I'm for that. What if the outcome of what we did saw someone saved? Let me ask you another question. This is not a giving sermon, but I think you should hear it. If you gave a $1,000 and someone got saved, would that be a worthy investment to you? Amen. I don't want, listen, we're family, right? We can be, look, I'm going to unbutton my jacket for this one, okay? I'm not going to reveal the belly, but I'm going to leave it unbuttoned for a second. We say it. Do we believe it? That it's worthy to do things to reach people that don't know Jesus. And is it worthy enough for us to do it? Because let's be honest, how many times did Jesus have to tell the Pharisees, I didn't come for the saved, I came for the lost. Amen. But how often do we complain when we go out to reach the lost? Because they're not often in these walls. They're in places we don't like. My question is this, what if we asked you to go, would you go? Is there any place that you would say, no, people can't hear from Jesus there? You know, if I go there, no one would ever hear of Jesus there. Is there a place like that on the planet? I don't know of it. 
And it seems like I remember if we quit talking, the rocks will do their part. And we're built on a rock in Amarillo. Sometimes we got to search for the mission and give our lives to it. The mission is this. People one to Jesus. Period. That's the goal. That's the mission. That's the way. That's the drive. If you want to know why you should come to church and be a part of the unity of a church, it's to see people come to know Jesus. Period. And then there's the last one. Don't compare your church to the church down the street or across town. Okay. (laughs) When I said that, let's just be real. We're family. A name of a church came up, didn't it? We're just being real. Like, really real. Uh, I've got several friends. They'll call and say, hey, let's do lunch. I'm like, yes, let's do it. They like come to our campus and then we'll go. We walk in and they go, hey, before we go to lunch, come look at this. You know what I do then? Oh, man, you have that? (sighs) We can't do that and preserve the unity here. What we have to do is say this. What God can do, we want to be a part of. What man can do, they can have. I want to be a part of what God can do. Okay, I've got to move really quick because I'm long-winded today, and I've got so much to give you that we've got to get through. So, I acted like that was the sound I make. I can't do that. So what Paul says is this. We are to be one as a body, one in the spirit. Do you see all the fill-in-the-blanks for you here? One in hope, one in the Lord, one in faith, one in baptism, one in the Father. One times one times one times one times one times one times one equals what? One. One. It never changes. Too many people add pluses where God put minuses. I'm just kidding. Multiplication. Are you all with me? Okay. God wants us to be one. That's why he gives us his word. We will depend upon his word. So I want to give you some declarations to end. As members at the church at Quell Creek, I will, I will, and that's where you get to say I will, but you don't say it out loud, but I will, number one, pray for my church, family, and its continuous unity. I hope you'll pray for that every day. You'll pray for your church family. You'll pray for their needs. You'll pray that they'll be one. One in everything, one as a body, one in spirit, one in faith, one in baptism, one in hope, one Father. Next, I'll take opportunities to support the ministers of the church. That's through volunteering, that's through giving, that's through encouraging, that's through being a part of the change you want to see. We will pray. Next, I'll take, oh, sorry, I will champion the mission of the gospel and TCQC over my preferences. We will make the mission of Jesus Christ better than our preferences. This is difficult, but it's something we need to pray for. If we want to be one, we need to champion the mission before our preferences. Next, avoid public criticism of the church. 
You are either the greatest critic of this place or you're the greatest champion. I encourage you to be a champion. I encourage you to go tell people what you love about your church. Do it on social media. Do it in face-to-face conversations. And when people say, well, my pastor preached way over time, sorry, you can say, well, my preacher was on fire. And we liked it. And I'm sorry you're going to get to lunch late. Next one, seek to encourage and support the staff at our church. Do you know our staff? Have you met them? Do you know their names? Do you know their families? Have you ever taken time to meet our spouses? I will tell you this. Ministers go through a lot. If you're not called to it, you'll leave it. And there's a reason why 200 or so ministers leave the ministry every month. The reason is they're not called. Calling changes if you stay. But I'll also say this. Our spouses are equally as cold. And they're equally as involved in our planning and our, you know, prayer time and our suffering and our joy. Know our spouses. It's great that you get to celebrate us. When you celebrate them, it's better for us. So encourage, encourage, encourage. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep doing it. Next privately counsel with the staff when there's something that seems amiss. I encourage you to do this. We are the church at Quail Creek, not the staff. We. 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 And so when you see something that needs to be changed, we need your help. So come and talk to us. Find us in our office. Set up a time. Let's go to coffee. In my case, let's go get a soda because coffee is gross. Um, Don't believe me? Try it. Anyways, it's awful, awful. Smells like a skunk. Try that out next time you're drinking coffee. It's brewing. Just close your eyes. Think of a skunk. You'll be like, I'm never drinking that again. Anyways, try it. That's a free gift, not on the sermon notes. But come find us and talk to us. Help us. Help us. And come spend time with us. Let us pray together. Let's open the scripture together. Let us share the mission together. It matters. Here's the last. Develop a heart that says, Quell Creek is my church for life. This is difficult. Churches are hard places to belong to. They are. I hated it as a preacher's kid. I did not like church. I liked going to church. I liked our youth group. I liked going to youth camp. I liked to disciple now. But I disliked church. You know why? Because people like me went there. And I was like, mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, that's an awful place. You know what I discovered? I need it. I need it because I need refinement in my life. I need a place I can go and be real. I need a place I can go and share my inner struggles with people. I need to be able to talk things out. I need to open the scripture and say, I don't get that. And someone to go, well, let me tell you what God gave me in that. I need that. So do you. And here's the problem. Times are going to come in church world where you're not going to like it. Something's going to change. A minister's going to change. A ministry's going to change. A focus is going to change. Everything's going to shift. 
They're going to make your parking spot reserved for a fountain. They're going to move your pew. It's going to happen. But you got to make a decision. I want to belong somewhere for so long that God can change me in it and I can watch it change. We, uh, we have a lot of history with our church. Started on 6th Street from a, a Sunday school class out of First Baptist of people that felt like the San Jacinto neighborhood needed a church. And so it was built and it caught fire and they rebuilt and it grew. You know, there was a time that you could roller skate at our church. How about that? Let's bring that back. No, don't do that. Uh, uh, liability is. Okay, anyways. But there used to be a day in the life of our church that if you showed up late, you were ashamed because you didn't get a seat. Did you know that? There was a time that people chose the front pews over the back. That was our church. Then we moved, and God gave us amazing land and an amazing church building, completely paid for. Praise God. You're sitting in it. And during that time, something shifted in us. We, we quit anticipating, and we started participating. And now is the day to say we're no longer going to be participants of. We're going to anticipate what God's about to do. So I'm going to give you a challenge, Quell Creek. If this is your church for life, I want you to show up anticipating. I want you to show up as if that day something big is going to happen. And if you don't get the front seat, you're going to miss it. Because I come to concerts here a lot. And when we open the doors and those back doors open and the people with tickets come to see newsboys or whoever, Mercy Me, Micah Tyler, whoever it's going to be. They all move to the front. You know why? Anticipation. They believe something's going to happen and they don't want to be on the back row. I'm asking you to not be a back row person. I'm asking you to anticipate God's movement. If he comes back now, I want to be on the front row. I want to be there. I want to be anticipating when worship breaks out, I want to be on the front row. When the sermon's short and good, I want to be on the front row. I want to be there because I want to anticipate what only God can do, and I want you to do it with me. When we make this place His place, we will show up anticipating Him. And I'm asking you to anticipate Him with me. When Quell Creek becomes the church it should be, when its members become one, it'll become the church it should be, when its members become one, will you join Quell Creek? Will you be a church that meets here, that anticipates seeing God do what only he can do, to focus on what he alone can make happen, and will you give your life towards that kind of purpose with me? I believe this. The best days of Quell Creek are not in our history. They're not in our history books. They're not in pictures they're not in old directories. They're not in newspaper clippings. They'll be written today with you as we become one. Let's pray. Father God.
too often we don't spend time to pray and, and become the church that we're supposed to. Lord, we don't preach that enough. We don't talk about the fact that being a, a part of a church family matters, and it does. Also, we don't talk about what it looks like to be a church family, because that matters as well. So God, would you help us to become a church family that matters? Lord, would you help us to seek your face together and keep the one thing, the main thing, the main thing? Jesus, you are it. So Lord, help us to not get in the way of each other or to ruin our testimonies or to become a church that's all about us. Help us to be a church that's all about you. Help us to all come with that anticipation. Help us to all come to seek your face. And Lord, help us to leave here a force for your name. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, give us the strength and equip us, Lord, to take your name to everyone outside these walls. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So here's what I'll ask you to do. I want you to stand right where you are. We're going to have our time of invitation. The altar's open to you. We'd love to pray with you. There's several of us that will be down up front to meet with you. Would you come now? Let's be one.